Hi everyone, welcome to the Green Living Podcast and uh, I'm glad that you are joining us again. So, do you sometimes wonder what you can do for climate action? And that is what we want to talk about today. And we would love to hear your opinion and experiences too. So please join in, call in. This is called the call in app because you're supposed to call in. So so please join us and you're very welcome to the Green Living Podcast, which I'm co-hosting together with Vanessa Champion. And it is today a Thursday, but from now on, we will move to the Mondays and kind of claim the Mondays for uh, as, as Green Living Mondays um, with our own podcast that should be on every Monday. So welcome, Ness. Is there anything that you did or did not do today for a better climate? <laughs> uh, hi, Alex, and hi, everyone else. Um, well, actually, I didn't turn the heater on. Get me. <laughs> That's um, a good one. I know. Um, spring actually is really just like, you know, showing her a beautiful head here, here, here in uh, my part of England. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I think with all the sort of hatred and anger and threats and worry around the world right right now, my little sort of view I've got here is a, is a little haven of peace. And so um, so in terms of not upsetting the climate boat anymore, um, I opened the door. <laughs> I was um, I sort of, you know, had lots of natural light streaming in. Um, so I didn't have to put the light on. So that was one tick. Um, the second was that I was actually going to put some music on, but the bird song was just too beautiful outside to overpower. So I chose not to. I also had lunch outside today, so I managed to cope with the salad. <laughs> no electric. Oh, you know, I, I <laughs> um, but this evening I is definitely going to involve the oven. Um, but I think that's the key, isn't it, really? I mean, we all have to take steps. We can't do everything, you know, we can't do it all at the same time. Uh, I think a little step at a time. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe before we go on, maybe we can pose a question to our listeners, actually, who, as you said earlier, you know, might like to dial in or, or on call in at the end of this live podcast or leave a comment. Um, what are you doing today uh, to help climate change? Um, and, and also, what do you think of the suggestions that we're going to discuss here today? So we'd love to hear from you. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I hope that uh, that the listeners will join in, and I I wonder what I've been doing today. Well, certainly not putting off the heating because I'm <laughs> I'm in Canada. There's like a meter of snow outside, um, and your suggestion of opening the window is not very applicable because then I would just lose a lot of uh, a lot of heat. But yeah, I do believe that a better environment starts with your own behavior. So. Uh, having said that, I, I think it's also important to note that it's only a relatively small contribution that we can make because most of the changes that are needed are really structural and we need governments to take effective measures that can really change our society. But we also still have to take our own responsibility at an individual level. And And by the way, these are not two completely different worlds. Uh, one way that you can... Uh, if you really want to make change, and that is maybe the best advice I can give for sustainable living, that is vote for the right party. Well, the word right is probably not the best direction here, but vote for the best party, the best party that that thinks about the planet and about our our lives on this planet and the future of our children. And that's normally not a right party, so the right party might be on the other end of the political spectrum. I don't want to give too much political advice on what party to vote for but whatever your your political background is uh within the range that 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 you allow yourself to to choose even even if it's a party that's not really green then try at least within that less greener party to vote uh for for politicians that uh, that are still concerned about uh about the planet um but so really making change at an individual level that also includes voting that's maybe that's the one that you never see on on the many lists in the world of, of how you can do green living but it's it's an important one so um yeah and there's a lot of other things you can do yourself and that's also what we want to talk about today so not putting on the heater or putting the heater at a lower level is a good example and if we would all not put on the heater in our home that would really change our dependence on Russian gas, uh, which would not only be effective for climate action, but would also help uh, the geopolitical situation in the world at the moment. But it also helps 
um, on on the the extreme prices uh, that we have to deal with at the moment for for paying uh, for gas uh, and and for all um, other forms of energy that are of course somehow connected to it. Um, and as you, you you will see in 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 most countries all over Europe and 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 in the world that when energy prices go up. Uh, the people that are hit is not like, you know, it's not Bill Gates that is worried about uh, the heating of, of his uh, big home. It is the people that are at an, in, 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 in the lower um, socioeconomic levels of society uh, where energy forms a, a, a much higher, relatively a much higher percentage of, of their budget. Um, so if you want a more equal and a more fair society, uh, we should also look at energy prices and ultimately, of course, we should move away uh, as rapidly as possible from um, uh, from from uh, fossil fuels. So um, uh, in the wake of the IPCC report, uh, The Guardian wrote this week about uh, a new jump campaign and uh, uh, that says uh, that people in well-off countries can help avert the climate breakdown by making six relatively straightforward lifestyle changes. And, and according to research from uh, a few leading institutions, uh, this study found uh, that there are, so there's uh, six commitments you have to look at. So um, the first one was, and now I'm looking at, at, at Ness for this one, um, eating a largely plant-based diet uh, with uh, healthy uh, portions and no waste. Is is that something that you're doing, Ness? Well, actually, yes, it is. <laughs> um, I actually also read that um, vegan and vegetarian diets were associated with the greatest reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. I don't know how true this is, but um, obviously I read it, so it must be true. Um, a global shift in, uh, in plant to a plant-based diet could actually reduce mortality and also greenhouse gases caused by food production by 10%. And 70% respectively. So 70% on the greenhouse gases and 10% mortality. So more green we love. Obviously, that's by 2050. So if we make a start now, we should be all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I do. I try to. I try and eat a plant-based diet or as much as possible, really. Um, I do still eat fish, actually. <laughs> um, but I, I love I love greens and I love salads. And I think as well, I mean, I just like... I think from the earth and i think we're all you know um part of of nature and i think that have a whole celebration of like a rainbow of colors on your on your plate i mean when you see like a you know plants particularly you know you've got a tomato and, and lettuce or or you know uh, cabbage and there's all these different colors aubergine you know um you know proper carrots which are purple <laughs> you know when you when you actually create this sort of like beautiful cascade of color on your plate you can't help but feel energized and and positive and, and want to continue doing it as well i mean you know you can all we can all do like you know sort of bangers and mash or toad in the hole and sort of produce some kind of slop <laughs> which i mean i'm not saying my, my cooking probably is a bit verging on that so that's why a plant-based diet is actually really good <laughs> um so but um yeah we can i think um you know doing doing a plant-based diet is really good because it inspires us as well so what, yeah. i know alex what about you what's your yeah it's it's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, uh the nice look and the colorful look yeah. Of, of fruit and vegetables. I mean, imagine you can have a dead animal on your plate, or you can have some beautiful strawberries and 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 carrots and and other stuff on your plate. Um, I I prefer to look at those, and I I never approached it from that way. What you say on 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 vegan and vegetarian? I remember reading a study. I don't know exactly the percentages, but moving from uh, from a normal Western diet to vegetarian, that is a huge step towards uh, reducing greenhouse gases. And then from vegetarian to vegan is another step, but 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 less uh, dramatic. So in other words, it helps much more if everybody in the Western world would say, we reduce our meat intake to only, let's say, twice a week, instead of that you have a small group of, of five or ten percent of people that move all the way to becoming vegan, whereas the rest is is not interested. So, uh, cutting out beef uh, is is the most important one. Uh, that that is from uh, from a climate uh, point uh, from a climate climate perspective. But there's 
there's roughly three main reasons to eat less meat. I mean, one is uh, is climate change because there's an enormous amount of of, of greenhouse gases, including methane, mm. um, involved, and and cutting of of uh, rainforests that are the lungs of the world that we really need. Uh, so climate is one. The second one is is your own health. Uh, it's it you have less uh, artery diseases you have less um, uh, cancer if you're not eating meat uh, it's it's been proved over and over again in, in in so much research so it's 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 a bit like smoking i mean why why would you do it if it hurts your health and the, and the last one and that is certainly certainly not last in in priorities these are just in average order um, there is uh, the health of the animals concerned i mean just mm-hmm. Look at the, the absolute horrific, cruel way how we in, in each of our Western countries are treating animals. Um, people don't see it. The meat industry does everything possible to avoid that you do see those pictures. But the horrific scenes that are taking place in, in each of our countries and the massive scale that that happens, mm-hmm. I think in, in, in a far future people will look back at at this time and age and will will be utterly surprised that in in the very fond advanced society that that we have where we always focus on human rights and 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 on better living etc that we just accepted knowingly that uh this cruelty at this scale was taking place in our countries. People will be astonished to, to read it. I mean, it, it would be something like we would still be burning witches on the stake or something. I mean, you, you, would, you would say, no, that doesn't fit yeah. in, our, in our society. And I, I think that should be, I'm, I'm amazed that there's no more, uh, that it's not higher on the on the political agenda that people should yeah. take action here. So those are yeah. three really good reasons uh, to to turn away from from um, from meat. Don't you don't have to go all the way to be becoming some kind of ultra vegan. I admire the people that do it. Um, I still have shoes of leather. Uh, I still eat some yogurt. Um, I um, I have. Well, I'm not eating meat or fish, but it's it's not that I'm completely completely animal free. Um, I eat an egg now and then, uh, so it's it's. Um, I'm not going all the way as well, but yeah, I try to I try to reduce the, the cruelty to animals uh, as, as as yeah. much as, I think as that's possible. It. So it's, it's... for those people listening, if 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 one of you is. Um, has moved uh, towards becoming more vegetarian, or if you uh, if you are fully against it and believe that we should all eat much more meat, I mean, any opinion is uh, very welcome here. Um, just press the the, the call in uh, button and, and and join our our discussion here. Um, but I said there were like six things we could focus on. So an, another one, um, moving away from from the meat issue. Um, advice number two of this this new campaign that was started is not to buy more than three new item items of clothing per year. And now I think we we, we might get a bit of a gender issue here. I I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm making some kind of completely wrong remark here that I have the impression that women are buying more clothes than men, but it's something I never researched. Um, but um, how's that for you? Are you are you can you can you stick to just buying? Uh, three new items of clothing per year? Well, I kind of, I try and cut down how much I buy, to be honest. Um, and when you say about gender issue, it's probably something to do with the marketing, though. Because we, I mean, as a, as a female, the, tar- the market marketing is always targeted towards the female. I mean, look at all the magazines, yeah, the fashion magazines. True. You know, yeah. even the algorithms when they're kind of like, you know, doing promotions on social media, they're aimed at women of a certain age as well. So, yes, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe there's something about hunter-gatherer thing that we go off and, and sort of like collect berries. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's the same thing. Someone's probably done some research <laughs> on that again. Back to colour, probably. Um, but um, but I, I do, as I said, I, I try and not buy very many. But when I do buy... Um, I try and buy natural materials. 
um, for the very reason as well that like acrylics and, and all these other polymers are made out of plastic. They're made out of like oil products or, you know, sort of, ga- you know, sort of products from the earth. Um, you know, see the, so I try and buy linen or wool or then I've got this lovely cashmere um, jumper on that I'm wearing at the moment. It is so soft. It's so lovely, you know, and I, and I, <laughs> and then this is something I did buy just um, in the new year, actually. And um, it's, it's Scottish and it's just gorgeous. I, mean, I don't suppose the cashmere is Scottish. I don't know where cashmere comes from, actually. There you well, go. from so Cashmere, is- I suppose. <laughs> yeah, maybe a different spelling, but maybe it does originally. I think it seems to do with the rabbits. I'm not sure. Anyway, listeners, if you know, let us know. <laughs> um, but I, I also buy linen as well and, and cotton. And then, you know, I sort of wear the bejeebas out of them and then I upcycle them um, into rags, um, you know, for the cupboard and stuff. And then I also make stuff out of them. I'm a re- I am a quite a hippie, actually, to be fair. <laughs> but, I'm, but although it's quite mainstream now, this whole upcycling thing. So. I kind of make little bags out of it. So, you know, if ever you get a gift from me, Alex, it'd probably be in like some kind of random bag that I've made out of something random. But Looking it will be Looking forward clean. to it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Don't speak too soon. <laughs> anyway, what about what about you? Are you sort of like a... Slowly. Well, I, I I don't buy much clothes, and I keep them really really long. So I I I still have shirts that I I don't know maybe bought thirty years ago. So it's um, I I think in the days that I was still a diplomat, then I I bought more because you need you need your suits and shirts etc. But not I don't like uh, shopping for clothes, so I I see it as a kind of necessary evil that's part of my <laughs> life. Uh, unlike everybody else that that seems to like uh, shopping um and now especially during the pandemic in ottawa where shops were basically closed all the time and if if they weren't closed it was like freezing minus something and and i didn't want to didn't want to leave the house um it's actually quite a long time that i was uh, that i that i bought anything but i still think looking at the amount of clothes that I find around me, and if I would divide that by three, if you can buy only three new items of clothing per year, I mean, one pair of socks is already two, right? So <laughs> uh, I would say, ooh, that, that would, okay, I, I might I might be able to live up to it, but I think for many, many people, that would be, that would be a challenge. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't think you have to live so strict on this, but it's yeah. a good idea to to know that with anything that you buy and closing is just one of those things anything that you buy uh takes energy it needs to be uh, produced it needs to be uh, transported uh, there is marketing involved there's there's all kinds of activities taking place and all of them are are yeah, are used for something. At the end of the day, there's a lot of waste, the waste of the product itself at a certain moment, which Ness just described that you can recycle it. Uh, but there's also all kinds of other products involved that 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 have produced waste that you don't see. Let's say, for instance, the, um, uh, the kerosene uh, that has been burned by the plane that was uh, that was flying uh, your yeah. goods uh, to you. So, so basically, consumption in general is something that that uh, that you have to think about um and and everybody has of course different uh different preferences and different lifestyles and and uh i don't think anybody is advocating that there should be some kind of you know police state where somebody starts counting how many items of clothing you buy uh, to save the planet but it's good to be aware of these things and therefore these kind of lists are are good so like meat and like uh clothing there is um see it as as a wake-up call that you you can you can actually contribute a little bit with any food choice you make or with any choice you make when you buy something just try to to keep in your mind that there is an environmental cost involved and that is something when, when i grew up uh, i don't think anybody ever told me that uh, there's an environmental cost involved with uh, the clothes that you that you buy. Um, maybe I was earlier aware about meat, but that is basically true for any product, any activity that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is good to be aware of. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I was going to say as well. Did we we read um, the other week about um, that you can rent, you can hire fashion. 
So you yeah. can there, there are different websites where you know instead of going to buy them, you can hire them, which is a great idea. You know, presumably they're cleaning them. Hopefully they're not cleaning hire them. Hire fresh. I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, yeah, but no, I I love these initiatives. These are good. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think we have a caller. Shall we? Shall we oh, ask Evelyn yes. to join us? Yes, go for it. Uh, let me see. I press now on take next caller, and there we have Evelyn. Hi, Evelyn. Hi. Good morning. Good afternoon, I should say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good afternoon. Good morning to you. Um, yeah, I was just, um, I was actually cooking before when you asked the question about vegetarian, vegan. And just um, remind me to send both of you a picture of the carrot market that we have in town here. Because there's like carrots of like seven different colors. You'll Ooh. love it. Oh, wow. So, um, and I'm, I'm now mostly mostly vegetarian and um, not vegan because chocolate and cheese, and I'm Swiss. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're excused. Working on that because there's there's um, you know they come up with better and better alternatives all the time. Uh, so yes, uh, yeah. that was point one. Point two, three new items of clothing I could possibly do. Um, except for this year, because I already bought two new pairs of hiking boots, and I had the I had the others for like five years, so I guess that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. But, and you're um, walking. You're going to be walking with them, so that's good. Yeah, so you're gonna, I've, yeah. I've been using them. I've been using them. And right now, I'm wearing a T-shirt that I bought in 2001 in New Orleans. So oh, I just okay. wear stuff until it literally falls apart. But three items of clothing a year, I'm probably not below that or I don't reach that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's all, it's all like steps towards it, isn't it, really? The less, you know, it makes, as you said, Alex, you know, it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you think about, um, you know, what, how, where you spend your money and, and how much do we actually need? You know, how many items of clothing do we actually need? If you buy something classic, then, um, you know, you don't, you know, it's like, like what you're saying, you know, yourself, when you were a diplomat you know you, you're buying beautiful shirts you know they're often quality so they're going to last for ages you know if you're buying cheap which is usually from you know places that are uh, like sweat markets you know and, and sort of they're not the workers haven't been given a good um life as well so you've got to like you know you've also got to think back back to conscious buying isn't it you know we, again we have a choice about where we purchase our stuff from you know if, if the if the company that we're buying from when we do spend our three you know, or more, you know, for our items of clothing. If we know they're looking after the, their, um, their their staff, their um, machinists, you know, if, they, if they've got a crash, if they've got an education programme, are they, um, you know, have they, are they, have they got food, you know, are they giving them food? Are they, you know, there's all these different nourishing. I did some work in Bangladesh um, and um, I was documenting a, uh, um, a, a lingerie company, actually, quite a large lingerie company. And um, they were making... Um, obviously bras and pants <laughs> there was lots and lots of them all over the place um but to see what they were doing it was such a positive story really because they were really looking after the workers and when you see that firsthand but you know not we don't all have the luxury to go out and see where these things come from we've got to take it i suppose that's where the fair trade labels and things come into it isn't it really and and research you know we before we go and purchase from a certain company we could actually go online just quickly google them and and you know see see what their story is you know see if there's any bad press about them and then and then make a choice make an ethical choice make a personal choice so when we do wear our clothing maybe we can you know promote that story then which is all part of the whole climate change and the climate improvement message that we can as an individual do you know we can't do the massive massive thing and make a policy change because people don't know an mp you know but we can we can share that um inspiration amongst our friends so yeah so i suppose um i suppose that's one way so yeah 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 thank you evelyn i i think two good points after uh, that come out of this discussion one that evelyn mentioned on uh the alternatives uh, for food that they're working on the alternatives for cheese is a really work in progress i think the 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 vegan cheese is now at a quality that you can you can use it if you make a pasta or something or want to throw it in. But it's it's uh, as a Dutchman, we're that other cheese country in Europe. Um, and uh, well, you got your Stilton in the UK, yeah, of course. But um, in uh, in in putting it on 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 a on a sandwich is 
is not really nice yet. So I, I guess that's work in progress. But looking at meat, for anybody that hasn't tried alternatives for meat in the past three years or so, you have met you you've you've missed something. At least speaking for the Netherlands, the quality of um, the, the 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 vegan varieties of meat has as it's it's improved so tremendously in just the past three years time if, if you three or five years ago if you bought like a, a, a vegan hamburger you know it was edible if you threw a lot of tomato ketchup or pickles or whatever on it and then 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 you you close your nose and you ate it it was it was kind of you survived but now they are like you know these these what do you call them the, the beyond burger or or the impossible burger or all kinds of things they taste like you know much better than McDonald's, which which is not really an accomplishment, by the way. But they they really taste much better. And then all uh, meat varieties that you can eat on your sandwich that I remember from from my my student days or so when I, when I was not living as a as a vegetarian, all of them have alternatives now that really really taste well. And I think the other point out of this discussion, I think it's. It's good, maybe in our, our one of our next broadcasts, um, what what Ness just brought up. I think the, um, the 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 social aspects of the goods that we buy, the kind of fair trade aspects, that is something to look at. And what what's maybe interesting to look at is the different uh, apps that are available, where you just type in the brand and you can you can see. Um, what uh, the the not only the environmental impacts but also the the, the all ESG impacts, so in, including the the workers' conditions. Is it produced in a sweatshop or or are people being paid a fair price, etc.? I think there's maybe something for another broadcast to um, another podcast to uh, to to focus on someday. We were still on our list. We had we had like these six points. Um, number three. Um, keep electrical products for at least seven years. Would you be able to to commit to that one, Ness? Oh well, actually, I do already. I'm, I actually don't have a lot of electrical appliances. I've I've kind of been doing this sort of eco living for quite a while. <laughs> um, you know, I I whisk by hand, so I don't have a blender. I have, I do actually no, I do have a, a liquidizer thing for my smoothies. Um, but I but when I'm just doing eggs and stuff like that, I do it as much as I can by hand. I even I grind grind coffee beans by hand. I've I've got this beautiful uh, stainless steel thing, so it's actually a real pleasure to you know you sort of do it. I mean, it's good for your muscles as well. You get a bit of a workout while you're doing it as well. <laughs> um, but also, I don't have a toaster anymore. Um, when I moved into this place, it was kind of very small um, kind of surfaces. So I was like, well, I don't have room for a toaster. I didn't bring one with me um, after my divorce. I kind of like, okay, no, no, no room for a toaster. <laughs> I left it with him, <laughs> um, but um, I only yeah. So but so it's all things, things like this. But I, when I found out, I actually don't need it. So I just use the grill when I when I want toast, and and I, I just you know and I put other things with it and stuff. So, um, but I do have a fridge, obviously. Um, um, but I call Kevin. <laughs> um, it's um, it was here when I moved in twelve years ago, and it sort of it knocks and it squeals occasionally. Um, but you know I got kind of used to it now, really. Um, so let me, let me get this straight. So you have a fridge that has a name. It's called Kevin. So it's like. <laughs> Kevin, shut up with your noises or something. <laughs> exactly, it is. You know, it's because you know you're sort of lying in bed in the middle of the night and you go, "What's that noise?" And then you realise, "Oh, it's the it's the fridge." Um, I've I've, I've sort of lent it back now, so there's always a workaround, you know. So rather than just because it's old, you know, just because it's old, you don't have to put it out to pasture. You can kind of like give it a bit of TLC and you know give it little cleaning things, a little service myself, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, the the, the freezer's called Kylie. <laughs> okay we should do a survey whether there's people that that call things around their house all kinds of names i wasn't aware that that was a thing <laughs> i know nor do i actually there we go i'd love to be interesting to see who else is like potty as well so um but yeah i mean i think if you treat your appliances with respect i mean I've, the cook has been here the same time as well and then that's like that doesn't have a name though it's, it's just it's just cooker <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if you look after it, then, you know, it, it sort of laughs, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose as well, you can, uh, you know, if, if people are moving, you know, as well, you can maybe blag yeah. one off for them. You know, if you if your one is packed in, you can sort of be, you know, play clever, really, I suppose. You know, so you don't have to go and buy something that's manufactured new and then it's got all those things. I suppose unless, of course, it's got um, 
you know, it's been, is it more eco-friendly than the, your current one? Then I suppose there's a call for that. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I see Joshua has a reaction here. Let me see how I can, can I uh, make next caller somehow? There we go. Uh, Joshua, can you unmute yourself? Hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, so my curiosity is your guys' perspective on planned technological obsolescence in regards to replacing electrical products like the one that we're currently listening to you on. So, so, you sorry, I, I, could you could you repeat the question? I didn't get that. Or did you get it, Ness? I didn't quite get it. No, sorry, sorry Josh. Sorry, I was speaking quickly. Uh, planned technological obsolescence of electronic devices, especially the ones that require the most extractive minerals to create. Yeah. What do you mean? Like yeah, so, uh, that, I mean, ideally, we should do that less, but um, I, be, I think there is a huge challenge there. So let's say throwing out a toaster, as Ness has done, uh, which I haven't done, I, I love my toaster, um, is an easy one. It's 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 100 years old uh, technology. Uh, you already see it in Downton Abbey that has been introduced in the 1930s. But we're all uh, probably most, yeah, I guess all of us are now are on our smartphones. And if, then if you look at a smartphone that uh, has, as Joshua just mentioned, all kinds of you know, precious minerals that have been... So you need cobalt, for instance. Cobalt mainly comes from uh, from the DRC. And uh, it's it's been produced in horrible conditions, uh, especially for the people, children often working there. Um, it's it, it has huge environmental consequences. Um, um, that is something that you don't see with your neat smartphone that... that you know, it, it it looks so nice, but there's there's a lot of a lot of dirt is involved, and there's there's of course pressure on on these companies that they should you know treat the people better in 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 paying and working conditions, etc. Um, so it has environmental consequences. It has it has socio-economic consequences, and there's another thing which which I think is especially with the smartphones, a tricky thing. I tried to use my first iPhone. I had an iPhone 6 uh, as long as possible, but about a one and a half years ago, then I'd used it six years. I, I had to give it up because some apps, including Twitter, which I'm quite active on, were no longer working on it. And personally, I feel that that is ingrained in the structure of either Apple or the companies making those apps. But I suspect that Apple has, um, uh, it's in their interest, let me formulate it this way. I, I, I suppose that it's in their interest that apps at a certain moment are no longer working on it. So you're therefore forced uh, to buy a new mobile phone. And uh, that is... That 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 creates an, an enormous amount of of extra uh, waste in the world. Um, so keeping your electrical products for at least seven years, uh, yes, I can do that with a toaster or the lamp on my desk, um, but I cannot do that with a smartphone. And the problem is that the toaster or the lamp on my desk doesn't ask too much from the environment. Uh, but uh, but. Uh, uh, something like a smartphone or or take the MacBook uh, that I'm using. Uh, uh, that is, yeah, they, they, seven years is is really really a challenge to to keep using them that long. Is that uh, is that the uh, is is that an answer to your question, Josh? Um, I I mean we're on the same page, and one thing I would say is if we're building tech for the military we don't get away with it only lasting seven years. Yeah. And so if yeah. we're using it to kill people, we make it last 30 years, 100 years. But if we want yeah. people to keep consuming, we're like, do it every three to five years, every year, get a new thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I mean, landmines that were thrown in the ground in the 1960s are still exploding if you step on them. And so somehow uh, that that technology is much more durable than the smartphones that we're using now. And that is from, uh, yeah, so that is typically an aspect from, let's say, the kind of kind of capitalistic society that we are in. And, and 
I would say that should be forbidden by law, but I have no idea how you can make a law that forbids it. So it's 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 how society works, and and I think as a consumer, you have to, yeah, to 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 try to work around it as good as you can. But as as the example I gave that I had with my first iPhone, I mean, I would have loved to to keep using it for many more years, also because these things are I don't know like a thousand dollars or so. Mm-hmm. It's a really really a lot of money, and. Um, I, I wish it it was different, and I think that is typically a point where good government good governance comes in. It's it's uh, the, good governance is there to to protect consumers. Although in this specific case, I guess it's it will be really difficult. And yeah, your point about the military uh, that is interesting. Suppose that you know all the weapons in 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 uh, in the American army. Uh, would give up after seven years. There would be an outrage everywhere. Like we cannot defend our country with with this kind of crappy material. Um, but that's the same crappy material that all of us are using all the time. So that's actually a very good point that you raised there. Thanks so much. What about you, Ness? Shall we go to to point four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, oh, I see that. Evelyn coming back. Um, is that on this point? I don't know. Of course. So Evelyn, can you? Mute yourself, or do I first have to allow you? Let me see. How do I do this? I invite you to speak. There you go. Can you unmute? Yeah. There, there. Oh, that moves you up to the speakers. Oh. I see. Okay, I'm not very experienced okay. in all this. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Phone. Um, I'm actually. I, I have to get a new phone now because the battery is just dying on me all the time, and I don't really have a choice because you can no longer change the battery. I mean, that goes into what you said before. And then now I can no no longer use my headphones because it doesn't have the whatever it's called anymore. So you you only have those AirPods or whatever they're called, and things like that. It's it's ridiculous. Like you said, you can't keep using it even if you want it to. And that's yeah. what that's what gets to me. And that's what I'm struggling with at the moment because I know I have to get a new phone, but I really don't want to. Yeah. yeah. And um, what Vanessa said about the toaster and stuff, I actually, I left the toaster and the microwave behind during my breakup. <laughs> don't miss them at all. And... Um, I don't. I don't really use a toaster much because we, our bread is so good, and I bake my own bread that I don't toast it usually. But you know, so sorry that made me smile. <laughs> it's it's interesting that it's it's there seems to be a pattern here that women that break up leave their toaster behind with the former partner. I I'm, I'm discovering all kinds of new things in yeah. this show. We should do sorry, a poll. We should do a poll and see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there, so there, that's basically we have a toaster problem. So suppose men that that divorce twice, they have two toasters. Um, I, I guess we need some kind of action committee on on this issue. So number four on this list um, says, though so the list of living more green says, uh, take no more than one short haul flight every three years, and one long haul flight every eight years which means that for the next eight years, none of you would see me back in Europe anymore. This is for me a really, really tough one. How, how's this for you, Ness? Yeah, it is for me as well. I mean, you know, so alongside this, I run a media company and then obviously the philanthropic photojournalist, um, you know, agency that I run. And yeah, you know, I've, I've, before lockdown and before COVID, I was in a plane, you know, four, four or five times a year. And I did struggle with that. I did struggle with the whole thing and you know you're trying to offset it and you pay for carbon offsets and all this sort of stuff but you know i think we've got to we've got to we've got to as long as we're set as long as we're set as sensible as we can and if our rest of our life is living as green as we can then i suppose we can sleep a little easier um i mean i think if you're traveling for work and you have to travel for work because it's localized you have to go where you've got to go um you know then um as I said, you know, I did work in Bangladesh and I've worked in Indonesia and I've worked in Nepal and Africa and India. And, you know, and I to, to document charity and NGO work. So I suppose in a sort of touchy feely way, I've kind of 
justified the flight because when I've gone over there, I've also trained people locally. Um, so, but you know, if you're just going for a holiday, which you know, last time when I came back from the last trip, I was like, I just want a five star break somewhere with under a banyan tree with a pool and and a beach, and I don't want to do anything. Not that I actually did that, but <laughs> I wanted to do it. Um, but I suppose really, if you have to travel. Um, and you want to travel, and I don't see why. I see travel opens the mind. I really do think that. And I think if you stay insular, and I think if you stay where you are, and you stay in one little tiny place, then then I don't think that's good either, because your mind isn't open. You don't interact with other people. You don't learn about other communities. You don't smell different things. You don't eat different food. You don't. Um, there's there's a lack of education within you, within self development, and. Um, and also understanding how your impact here has an has a, an impact over there. For instance, if you're in like a developing country or whatever it is, um, I suppose maybe if you do c- travel, then I mean, how about considering maybe like a conservation um, project or you know a nature recovery tourism or you know planting some trees when you get there or you know sort of installing solar in a village or something or water projects or I mean maybe you know if you're um, you know, you, you yourself are as an expert in something, you know, if you're an engineer or a builder or a landscape gardener or even a teacher or designer or something, maybe you could, you know, spend one of those days that you're over there working with a local school or working with a local community and just putting something back. I mean, I'm not saying that's not that's going to offset climate change. It's not. But um, I don't know. I think if you have to go and do it, then maybe that could be a way. I'm not saying that that is the way, but... Um, I don't know. What, what what do you think, Alex? What's your sort of you know? Yeah, very much along, along the same lines. I I think the, the the list that we follow here, this one that was published in the Guardian, is is uh, very restrictive. And of course, flying is always a, a tricky one because it is one of the main together with eating less meat is one of uh, and and voting. Uh, it's is one of let's say the top three of things that you can you can really really make a change in 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 your impact and um i my job used to be first as a as a diplomat doing multilateral negotiations all over the world so i really had to go uh had to go everywhere and then i worked as a public speaker so i also flew a lot but i've dramatically changed that now um you cannot be a public speaker all over the world and not fly so mm. Basically, what I've done is to uh, to to change that into writing and podcasting, and still have a voice. Uh, but I'm I'm flying much less. When I thought about moving to Canada, uh, my original idea was to be about let's say five weeks in Canada and then three weeks in Europe, because my work is normally much more in Europe than anywhere else in the world. Um, and then I. Um, once I made that move, I changed it, and and now it is uh, that I stay eight months in Canada and four months in 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 Europe. So I make only one return flight every year, and um, and so then I have really a long time in Europe, and then I do all my traveling in North America and all my traveling in Europe. Uh, I do overland, which means in practice in North America that you do that by car or maybe by bus, or by, well, there's hardly any trains here. So basically, you do that by car. Um, and in Europe, you can you can travel by rail. So I mm-hmm. I haven't flown in Europe in the past three years or so, uh, because I do everything overland. It's only when I go to a different continent. Um, I'll go to Jordan in, in, uh, in autumn, for instance. Uh, as I, I stay longer in Europe so that I can fly from Europe to Jordan instead of the ticket that was offered to me to, to fly all the way from Ottawa to Jordan. Um, I did the same this summer. I, I stayed two months longer than planned in Europe for the very simple reason that I could then go by train to Geneva mm-hmm. instead of flying from Ottawa to uh, to Geneva, which was a fully paid ticket uh, by the organizers of the event, um, which, funnily enough, then complained to me that my train ticket uh, from the Netherlands to Geneva was more expensive than a plane ticket 
to Geneva and I say, Let, let's get real here. You want you want me to talk about climate change? Um, you offer a flight ticket from Ottawa. Instead, I go by train from Netherlands. I wait two months uh, to do that. And now you say it's it's what is it? Eighty euros more expensive than a flight ticket, um, which is, by the way, a structural problem. Mm. that I think should be tackled, uh, mm. first and foremost, by, by the European Union, uh, taking away those subsidies on flying and use those subsidies to subsidize going by train. It's ridiculous that my taxpayer money and your taxpayer money is used so that other people can fly cheaply on a holiday to the south of Spain um, to to the disadvantage of those people that are good enough to travel by train, I, I I think that is that is another really structural problem that should be changed in um, in our society. So, uh, coming back to the advice of doing a long haul flight every eight years, no, it's not going to work for me. But on the other hand, I have drastically reduced my my. Uh, my hours that I that I spent in a plane, and I think that is one of the best contributions that I've that I've personally done on my on my my personal carbon footprint uh, to uh, to reduce that. Um, let me see. I see number five. Uh, by the way, on the app, what I don't know on the app is that if I see Evelyn and Joshua still as caller and speaker, I don't know how you see it on your screen. Then I don't know if that's a new question of the or that you're still hanging out there it's um uh oh i see evelyn is back as a as a speaker um well, I'm Joshua, still here. Back i didn't know if i should i should i didn't know if i should leave hit i can hit leave speakers i don't know what happens then i could do that i yeah i, I guess you're then just a listener and then if you want to say something again you can just um uh raise raise your hand again you can call in again so then i know that you have a new oh, okay. question or comment and welcome Roger, by the way, and those five others that are listening, um, whom I'm not sure who they are. So number five on this list of things that you can do, as, as was published recently in The Guardian, uh, to, uh, to, to reduce your footprint, to do something about climate, um, that is uh, getting rid of personal motor vehicles, if you can. <clears throat> and uh, so don't keep hold of your existing vehicle for longer. How's that for you, Ness? How many cars <laughs> do you have? <laughs> I just I just have the one, actually. Um, although I actually do struggle with this one, actually. Um, over here in the UK, I don't know if it's over there where you are, but we, if you love cars and things, you're called a petrol head. And it's, it doesn't mean that you love petrol, um, you know, or, or that you, uh, you know, you kind of you, you douse your head with uh, with petrol or anything weird. Um, but it's actually that I love cars. But I think I, I love cars from the point of view of the design. So it's like, you know, obviously my art, art background is kind of I love the sleekness of them. I love the design of them. But classic cars. So not not your modern sort of box standard sort of stuff. It's always this the classic cars, um, which I've always had. Actually, I had a had an Austin little A thirty five car, which was nineteen fifty nine. I'm not that old, but anyway, that was <laughs> the car was. Um, but you know, actually, I always sort of thought, you know, sort of, I've sort of in a way I sort of prevented them from being landfill in a way. Um, and I, I used to fix them a little bit. I wasn't very good at it because I, I didn't like getting my hands dirty, you know, kind of. But I, you know, I could fix the spark plugs and all this sort of stuff. So I kept it going as long as I could. And um, you know, I put these little beads in the petrol tank. So instead of getting like the whole catalytic, catalytic converter thing, which obviously would have cost money, we just put these little beads in. I don't quite know what it was, but it put. I think they were like lead beads or something, which then turned the petrol into into this other thing so it reduced the emissions i was told i don't know i didn't have an emission radar so i don't know but um i think you know do you know what i would i would actually really love i mean i've got a little mini now um an old it's an old mini but it's a new old mini if you know what i mean um and it's really got low emissions i've been told as well again because i, I believe the man who sold it to me um, <laughs> um but um but i would actually really 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 love a car that's solar powered you know, or maybe the wheels are run on magnets. When I was about 11, I actually drew and invented this car. I designed it with this, these magnets that were on the wheels that kept, you know, that sort of like propelled, you know, the two negative magnets were together. And once you got the, you know, the sort of start of the motion, it was then perpetual motion so that they kept repelling each other, which meant it propelled the car. 
obviously, if you think about magnets on a car and the, the weight of them, I didn't actually think that bit through because I was 11. <laughs> and obviously, it probably would have, if you had a pacemaker in the car, it would probably done you in. But, um, but you know, I mean, something like that. Something that was self, self-propelling or, or one that's run on biofuels or, or you know, like the Back to the Future car. What was that? What was that? Like, there was like a Lamborghini sort of type car. I don't know. DeLorean. It was a DeLorean, wasn't DeLorean. it? Which ran on which ran on rubbish. I mean, just how cool would that be? You know? <laughs> well, what about you, Alex? I know you're sort of, you're a, yeah. a, cy- a cyclist. I love that you designed a perpetual mobile at the age of 11. So I think you should send the design to Elon Musk. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, who knows, it might work. Yeah, so, so for me, um, I only once in my life bought a new car, which was in um, 1998, 24 years ago, and I'm still driving it. Um, and that is the car that I have in the Netherlands. And of course, it's pro- it's not the most efficient car, but I use it so little because the island where I live, I do everything on a bicycle. Yeah. Um, so I, I just have it when I when I need to go off the island somewhere else, which is I don't know once once in several weeks or so. Um, so it's hardly worth the effort. On the other hand, you, you can't go anywhere on the island. Um, without a car but there is public transport but uh, the population is so thinly spread that it's not like like living in 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 the main part of netherlands where most people live so so nobody there can can live without a car but i've one that i that i hardly use but here on ottawa it's a different story here i bought a second-hand car um, which is a four-wheel drive for the very simple reason that you can't drive for five months of the year uh, without um, an, an all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. I think what I have is an, an all-wheel drive. So I took the absolute minimum that you need to be able to get through the snow here. Um, and, uh, there's no way you can live here with public transport or so, the way you can do you can do in Europe, because Northern America is just a different case. But I, I won't live here forever. This is, this is a kind of temporary uh, thing. Um, when I'm back in the Netherlands, when I, I plan to live there... You know, when I when I get older, I want to live the rest of my life in Netherlands because I think it's it's just a wonderful place to live, especially that that island that I live on. Um, I want to replace my bicycle with an electric bicycle. The, the The difference is that you you just you go further with the bicycle. So with a normal bicycle, let's say you're you're. Uh, your your range where you use the bicycle is let's say about ten kilometers. After that, it really becomes an effort to go. It becomes more like a sport to go somewhere instead of that it's that it's just a trip that you make. But if you take the electric uh, bicycles that have, have been amazingly uh, designed in the past 10 years, it's, it's such a rapid progress, then I can go easily. So the nearest town is, is about 15 kilometers. So I can, in an electric bicycle, I can do it in half an hour. And I don't arrive all sweaty that I need a shower. I can just do my sh- shopping or whatever I want to do there. Um, but buy my three articles of clothing that I'm, <laughs> that I'm allowed to buy in a year, we just learned. Um, and, and just cycle back without having having done some kind of sports but it's it's just a normal way of transport and you see it a lot now there's all these kind of old ladies that are passing me by on my normal bicycle now with their electric bicycles <laughs> which which i had to get used to in the beginning until i realized that they were cheating with a battery so there's uh, there's quite a lot of um a lot of progress uh there um so yeah so that's that's my uh so yeah again i don't score the 10 points that i would love to to have here um but it's uh yeah so it's good to to think about it um i see evelyn coming back uh hi evelyn sorry <laughs> no don't say sorry i was i was saying this a bit rude like i see evelyn going hi evelyn <laughs> nice that you're back that should be the better formulation <laughs> I'm a non-native speaker. Um, I'm allowed to do these things, right? Same here. So we're, we're good. <laughs> but anyway, um, when you when you mentioned those old ladies passing you on their on their electric bikes, here they do it they do it up hills, right? And that that's when I get a bit, you know, not angry but annoyed. I'm like, okay, this is a hill. You cannot just pass me and grin and look to the side, and I'm like. Huffing and puffing up that hill, and you just pass me. No, that's not on. So yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but regarding um, cars and and stuff, I I feel so privileged to be living where I where I do, because it's I don't need a car. I also left the car behind in that breakup. <laughs> Um, and I don't miss, I don't miss it. I have like, um, a smaller supermarket, a 10 minute walk away and a, a really big one, like 20 minute walk, or I take the bike or a bus there. Um, train station is like just a regional train is also 10 minutes. Bus stop is two minutes in the morning, one and a half minutes when I'm awake. And so, you know, I, do, I really don't need it for anything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I that, think it's, it, it makes such a huge difference uh, where you live. It does, yeah. right. Yeah. It's such a big difference whether you live in North America or whether you live in Europe. Because basically anywhere in Europe, you can, most people can actually easily live without a car. I mean, I, I, I have... I've always had a car for, let's say, the past 24 years. Same car, actually. Um, but there's, I've, I've not used it much. There's, there's not, not many kilometers uh, on the country because the, the, the standard mode of transport is either public transport or a bicycle, and the car is just as a backup. And I think in, in, in North America, it's just exactly the other way around. The standard way of transport is your car, Unless there is a reason that you that you use something else, and what you, you you see it back in the design of the of the living space, the design of the cities, that uh, you have. Uh, let's say here in Ottawa, where I live, I live in the neighborhood. There's not one shop. There's just only houses. And then in another place, they concentrated all the shops, preferably out of town. You have to go there with your car, and then you have this out of town shopping center system. And then somewhere else in the city, you have the central business, business district where there's, apart from one Starbucks, there's no restaurants, there's no shops, there's just only boring offices. So whenever you want to move from one function of a city to another function of the city, from a school to a hospital to a cinema to an office to a shop or whatever, you always need cars. And, and that is a completely different way of setting up a city than you see in Europe. In, in in any city where you live in Europe, you can normally do everything on foot. And and there are not many parking places uh, either. So I think it's that is um and that must save such an enormous amount of, of greenhouse gases by the way that we've organized our cities in Europe, which also makes them more cozy. So um, it also makes that a lot of American tourists fly over the Atlantic to enjoy our cities, which is a huge cost to the cost to the environment. Instead of improving their own cities in North America, look at New York. I mean, New York is a good example. There you have a functioning metro that hasn't been invested in for like a hundred years, but still, it functions at least in the northwest, uh, in the in the north-south uh, directions. Um, and uh, you have your, your shopping and your social life and your work and your living that is all combined. So um, it, it is possible, but it's unusual in, in, in North America. North Americans love New York because it, it has all of this combined. So it's not a novel idea, um, but it's for me, it's, it's a mystery why cities are not more designed to human needs instead of to, to, to business needs in, in America. What do you think, Ness? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm always talking about biophilic design and, you know, how we need biophilic design in cities. We need biophilic cities. I mean, and also urban farming and all this kind of stuff that encourages community, that encourages people to um, work and live and, and sort of um, operate more locally um, I think you're right. I think like the whole, you know, if you look at the high streets, even here in the UK, if you look at the, and this is happening everywhere, of course, that your retail, you know, your your little t kind of corner shops, you know, your yeah, yeah, haberdashers, yeah, your you know, your, your butchers, which we don't want anymore, but obviously we they, they can they can do something else. They can do vegetarian haggises and things like that instead. <laughs> um, you know, your fishmongers, you know, your bread makers, um, all these all these sort of shops that where you could get everything locally and sustained uh, a family, a local family. People knew everybody in the community. You'd all look out for each other. 
you know, if you was an older generation as well, you could pop in, you could have a, a chat and a laugh with people. People would look out and go, I haven't seen her today. And then they'd go in and knock on her door. You know, so there's a whole community aspect of in trying to encourage localised and, and um, you know, smaller towns, smaller community spaces. I think the whole idea of, like, you know, you just said, everything is out of town. You have to get in your car to go anywhere, to get anything um, again, I suppose it's the call for like, well, actually, do you need to get everything? You know, what do you need? Can you get the stuff delivered? Can you go to a local, well, you don't can't get local farmer's market, but maybe that's the thing that you could set up a local, you know, urban farming and urban pro- produce. You know, you can create something in your local area. Well, you, so you don't have to go and be dominated and, and sort of, you know, this prescription that you have to get in your car to go and get the food that they've told you you've got to buy, which is wrapped in plastic, which has been, you know, produced, mass produced by a load of people and flown in. Um, you know, it's maybe we, we need a whole new mindset about how we grow our communities and how we... It's, it's, it's going backwards, to be fair. It's going backwards. It's going back to how the communities should be and used to be. Um, you know, it's not rocket science, but um, it's something I do feel quite passionate about, actually. And um, and, and so I, I do think biophilic design or biophilic cities, biophilic towns is a real key for that, bringing elements of nature. Um, so we're more at one with nature. We have community spaces where they have trees and wildlife corridors. And, you know, it's a safe place for everybody to go to. Um, I just think um, I think that's just so, so important. And then we won't need the cars that we can walk you know, um, we, we can cycle. Maybe um, we can get a horse. I don't know. What's the methane off a horse? I no. don't know. <laughs> Which is also much better for your house, of course. Uh, yes. Just just by, uh, we need to, to set these uh, 7,000 steps a day, no longer 10,000, <laughs> they found out. Oh, okay. uh, 7,000 <laughs> steps, good. that's that's about an hour of walk. It's good for mm-hmm. everybody to walk an hour a day. And, mm-hmm. and in, in all honesty, I believe that there, there are many days that I don't make it. Uh, yeah, it no, used to be it. like that in Europe, but here in Canada, just just by the way that things are organized, mm-hmm. you don't, or you really have to force yourself, like park your car on a different parking lot and then walk to that supermarket. But that that feels like so odd that you that you don't do it, and there's always a good reason not to do it. Um, but I think the biking example also that Evelyn just mentioned um, is uh, is is the same same story. I mean. Uh, going on the bicycle make that extra effort it's it's good for you it's it's mm-hmm. it's that that movement uh, that you need and i think it's also good for the mental health just Absolutely. see trees around you etc but also see people you if you walk through a village or a town you you you, you meet other people instead of just driving your car to that supermarket where you, where you get that stuff so so i think the quality of life of let's say a standard european city compared to a standard american city it's just uh, is is so much higher and um, yeah. Now that the design is like that, I don't know if they're going to change it, but but who knows? You might you might see a bit of movement there. Um, we are we've been talking for an hour. Uh, let's um, ask Evelyn for some last comments, and then anybody else uh, who's been listening uh, and hasn't spoken yet, you're you're most invited to um, to call in. Um, but let's uh, let's go to Evelyn. Evelyn, can you um, unmute yourself? I'm not sure I have any last comments. Oh, because you were still on the caller queue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I was looking for carrot pictures for you guys. I got distracted. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm looking forward to the to the carrot yeah. pictures. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really okay. Okay, well, uh, thanks, guys. It's um, a strange day that I have two podcasts on one day, which is uh, just by circumstances, um, because we were moving from the standard Tuesday to the Monday. So this is a bit of an interim week that we have the Green Living podcast on the Thursday. So we're back very soon next Monday. And from then on, we'll we'll stick to uh, the Monday and then we leave the Thursday at three o'clock Eastern time to uh, the podcast I always do with Alistair, where we look back at uh, the news. Um, so that means that in only three hours from now, um, if you haven't heard enough of me today, <laughs> please come back. And, um, I'll be back with Alistair on quite a different theme. What we will talk about today uh, will be all the 
the impact of uh, of this horrible war in Ukraine on the energy situation in Europe. Uh, there's a lot of aspects to it uh, that are it's it's really an, an ongoing developing story. Um, so we will touch upon it this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it would come back in 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 the next weeks as well, because EU is um, ahead of an enormous challenge to completely change uh, the whole um, energy system. Uh, typically, a situation. I said some not too nice things about American cities, but that's the situation where America is uh, much better off than we are in Europe. So uh, let's let's keep my comments on Europe and America balanced, uh, <laughs> at least for today. Um, so uh, please come back on Monday. What time were we doing that on Monday? Was it the same time, Ness? Was it yeah. eleven o'clock? I think. Yes, I think so. Three o'clock. Eleven o'clock UK Eastern time. time. Yeah, three o'clock. Uh, four o'clock. Sorry, four, 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 four o'clock. Yeah. Oh, but wait. Uh, this weekend we have the strange period uh, that North America is moving the clock ahead for one hour, whereas Europe follows only two weeks later. So uh, if we keep it, if we keep working from the American time, since Colin is an American app, that means that um, for you it is uh, next week, not at. Uh, four o'clock but at three o'clock um, if that works for you if not we keep it at your four o'clock and then we do it at, at 12 o'clock in, uh, in 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 north america what would you prefer i can do either so okay um, we'll, yeah. we'll keep it at uh, at the american time 11 o'clock eastern time on monday hope to see you all back um, thanks so much for joining. Um, thanks for uh, Joshua and uh, Evelyn um, coming up uh, with uh, questions, and um, hope to uh, hope to see you all back soon, perhaps already in uh, in three hours. And thanks, Ness, for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Bye bye. Bye.